I hope you enjoyed part one of my interview with Jack Freeman from Peakspan Capital. Here comes part two, and you're going to learn a lot more about what you can expect to see from supply chain in the coming years. It's time to wake up to Tequila Sunrise. I am Greg White, your supply chain tech advisor, with more insights into what you need to know to succeed in supply chain tech startup, growth, investment, and transformation. So let's tip a glass to another enlightening Tequila Sunrise. I know you weren't a founder, but you were early on in the company. And um, and I'm always, I'm fascinated by the perspectives that people in the company have. It's it's one thing to get the founder's perspective, but sometimes that's a little bit uh, separated from the rest of the team. So I'm fascinated to hear. Tell us, first of all, about the company, what you did, and what you learned from that. Yeah, happy to. Uh, so I... When I was a junior in college, interned for this startup, and um, yeah, loved the loved the experience so much that I worked for them throughout the year. They also paid for my my beer money senior year, which was helpful. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and um, I'll hit the punchline, and then I'll come back to the story. So the, the punchline, the end of the story is, I got a call from the founder uh, about a week before I was graduating. And when I thought I was going to you know, go back to New York and start full time and, uh, you know, Hey, Jack, I'm so sorry. Like we decided we're going to have to like kind of wind down stack pop the name of the company and we're going to start a new project. But the company that you are a part of is no longer, um, so it's like super disappointing, yeah. um, to flash back, uh, what they did, they were a SaaS IT cost management platform for internet infrastructure. Um, and they also had a marketplace for buyers and sellers of internet infrastructure. What is internet infrastructure? <laughs> right. Before AWS, um, you had to go call Equinix or some data center and say, hey, I want two racks, two, two like physical server racks in your data center in New York to host my data. Right. And I want to pay for IP transit connectivity um in you know, these different kind of lanes and i want to create my own like internet infrastructure with uh yes yeah, seattle and texas and new york and london and i need to like manage all these contracts with all these data centers and all these racks there's a whole industry built upon it um so if you are a it cost manager um whatever your, your title is you had to um have you know 10 concurrent contracts know when they were coming up to uh, know how much they cost, be able to like negotiate them maybe, or mm-hmm. understand the alternatives, hence the, the marketplace. So um, the value prop was, was pretty interesting to me. I did not know anything about internet infrastructure, but um, I loved the team. Uh, it was amazing to see a, a SaaS platform get built from the ground up and a marketplace to get built from the ground up. And um, you know, some of the things that maybe stuck out, like anyone who's built a marketplace and I can't say I really built one, but I witnessed the beginning generating the supply and demand at the same side is like, especially in the first year or two is kind of insane. It's the, it's the CEO's buddies. Um, it's, you know, you're, you're starting to do some biz dev. It was me and then a full-time biz dev manager who 
you know, we created lead lists. I indexed Salesforce. We, you know, did demos and called people and tried to get them to buy through our platform and then manage their contracts on the platform. So, um, Flashworks today, I, I do spend quite a bit of time in procurement and category procurement. It's funny, I didn't make the connection until like last year of shame on me that that was a that was a procurement platform. You procured right. uh, co-location through the marketplace and then managed it the, the costs online. Um, the you know moral of the story, and I'll turn it over to you, Greg. Is uh, I, you know, I wasn't maybe aware of it at the time, but looking back, you look at the rise of Amazon along the trajectory that we were on and it wasn't even close. Um, we had this great idea and it would have been, if you look at some of the software spend management or, or infrastructure spend management companies today that are getting funded and growing, like that, that is a different world now. We had the idea in 2013, um, but the way we approached it in terms of like having a marketplace to buy infrastructure completely disrupted by Amazon, where if you want a server, you go click like the plus button. <laughs> like, right. I want more hosting Amazon. And that's how easy it is. Yeah. Um, so no need for, for stack pop, but it was a good experience. It's funny how, um, it's funny how uh, that's it, a, that's a great lesson that, you know, you, you have to future proof your company. We talk about future proofing all the time, right? Um, but how could you have seen that coming? Right. Uh, and, and by the way, that's not, there's not a dissimilar challenge. There is a not, there is a similar challenge. I'll say it easier. There's a similar challenge in, in supply chain with Amazon building all of these fulfillment and distribution and automated facilities. And of course their own ground and air fleet now, um, because, of because that industry was very disruptable in 2014 around the time they were disrupting you they were disrupted themselves at least their ability to fulfill was disrupted by the traditional carriers USPS UPS and, and AWS and they said this we're going to go build it ourselves and make sure that even if we fail at le- at the very least we have our destiny in our own hands and now they've built this amazing, they built it into FBA. So they have taken the AWS model and they've applied, AWS was essentially, essentially grew out of the excess capacity they had for their own server needs to, to run their e-commerce operations and they monetized it. And they're, they're doing the same thing with FBA and they will likely do the same with their larger, um, their larger network though i mean they were building excess capacity when they were you know as they're building these these facilities although with the growth of e-commerce i'm not sure how much excess capacity they have now but they continue they continue to do it so uh an interesting model it's you know it's it's um it's the warning that i think we often give as investors or advisors to to these small companies is to think about if you think you don't have competition, think about what somebody could do with a hundred million, or in Amazon's case, eighty-six billion dollars in cash, right? Which is probably well more than that now. But um, you know, that's a that's a great lesson for founders is to think about who could disrupt you, even though you are presumably the disruptor, right? It's so it's so challenging. 
I, I actually have a, this is a non-supply chain example, but um, when I think about competition, like the most tactical sense, right? You, you start a company, you have a category, maybe, maybe it's an established category, maybe it's not, but you can go online and find your competitors, other software yeah. companies that are doing the same thing. Um, I was, uh, we're, we're, we're partners with a, a company called Luma Health. And I, um, I have a buddy who is like, he's been in healthcare for, for over 10 years. He's an actuary, you know, way smarter than both of us. And he is steeped in the space and, and what we're going through at Luma his perspectives on in terms of the shift to value-based care, what insurance organizations are doing, what hospital groups are doing. And he, he was trying to tell me who our competition was. And I was like, I, I sit in the boardroom. I, I know who, I know the competition. You don't know the competition. There's no way you know the competition. He's like, I'm not going to tell you the software players that you maybe think you compete against, but I'll tell you who your real competition is. Like what are the threats up market that are going to change the way healthcare is delivered and, and how that might affect your business as a go. Interesting. Like competition doesn't have to be like the startup next door that you think is feature for feature. Right. Yeah. Because Amazon at the time was not like who would have been like, you have the presence of mind to think about, who could have seen that coming? Amazon yeah. and them being a threat, like to think about those things, that, that's an important lesson, I think, for, for scale-ups everywhere is to think about the non-traditional competitive forces and how, to your point, you, you future-proof that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I often say is the, the competition is anyone who's after the same dollars you are. It, it doesn't even have to be a competitive such such solution. It's it's a solution that could conceivably take the dollars that you're after. Or as you've said, it could be someone who is changing the marketplace, right? That could um, disrupt or or even obsolete you. So you have to keep your eyes wide open. Another lesson for founders, you always have competition. That's frustrating to me to hear someone say, we have no competition. That's when you know you know a lot about a founder. I'll just leave it at that. When when you hear that statement, and it's everything you need to know <laughs> as well. So. That's funny. That's really funny. So, so I'm interested in kind of your thoughts on supply chain. So, I would argue, not now, but maybe a year ago or so, you had a pretty solid outsider's perspective. And I would say because you're not engrossed in it every single day, you're investing in it every day, but you're not engrossed in it every day. I think I'd love to get your perspective on kind of what you've seen as you have become aware of supply chain of the path of supply chain, where it's come from, where it is, where it's going kind of thing. I mean, the path, the current limelight and and what you feel about that. And then maybe what do you see as the future of supply chain? And, um, you know, a little bit of crystal ball work there. And that, that's a uh, that's a tough one, the crystal ball one. I'll, well, I'll none of us are going to be right, and like sports commentators, Jack, no one's going to remember that we were wrong, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. So, on on some of my observations on what I've learned and where it's going, because um, obviously, I can give like slightly different answers when thinking about different segments. Um, you know. 
e-commerce, logistics, procurement, enterprise, like there, there's lots of different areas, but I have to start with e-commerce and just say, thank you, e-commerce, because you know, e-commerce has created an intense pressure and a very high bar on supply chain. I can yeah. also say, and this is like a polarizing comment because I know where you're hate, going with this. Yeah. Everyone hates Amazon, but thank you, Amazon, because Amazon has put an intense amount of pressure on retailers and supply chain networks and every constituent if it was up to Amazon, they would, they would say everyone like go find another industry. Like we got this. Like, yeah. We'll, we'll sell it. We'll fulfill it. We'll pick it. Like everything. Right. So right. I think there's a whole world out there. That's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. We're not going to just go quietly into the night. We're going to innovate. We're going to use technology. We're going to get better. We're going to provide a competitive alternative to selling your soul to Amazon and giving them all your inventory and their, your whole supply chain. So I think, I think the internet and uh, e-commerce and consumers starting to order more and more online. I also think Amazon for being really freaking good at what they do. Yeah. And that has created like the most powerful pressure I've ever seen as an investor in terms of raising the bar and what role technology has to play to help retailers and other constituents exist. And, and serve us consumers in a way that we will accept. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a perfect competition for, you know, I order my, um, my water bottle on Amazon in two days and I order it direct from the website of the retailer in three days. Like people actually like, you know, they, they like connecting with brands if you do it the right way. And they like, uh, if people are start, starting to not like to go on Amazon, it's not the majority, but I, I think there's absolutely a place for direct to consumer, you know, owning your supply chain, you know, competing on high delivery standards, but it's not the only thing that matters. Um, so I think you first have to look at e-commerce. The other things I would say in, in the same vein, um, this one I've been digging in a lot on recently, which is, this shift from mass production and consumerism to mass customization and personalization. Mm -hmm. A great example, if you walk the aisles of Whole Foods and look at all the different craft foods, and if you like craft beer, look at all the different craft beers. And uh, if you like to, um, like even like we can go into sustainability a little bit. If you like to shop sustainably, if you like right. to know that the products you're buying matter, um, they're from diverse businesses. They're from local businesses. Fair um, trade, human rights, all of those things can be known now, right? And they, yeah, they, they are known. And, and yeah. the, I think society is starting to really you know, care a bit more because at first it was like we had nothing and, and like there weren't a lot of options. So it was like, you, you want, if you want a product, go to the, the one drivable like retail place and go walk the aisle and look at price. And it was a different ball game with the internet, with e-commerce. Um, there are, I could show you a website I found the other day, I think it's called fair, um, where it's all you, you shop by, um, the mission. Right. You, you want something that's vegan. You want something that, um, is from a diverse supplier. Um, but that's, it's not only that it's, it's customization. It's, um, uh, I can go get, whatever product I want 
right now. I can, I can get it in any color, any size. I can have it completely custom. I can have it from whatever country. I could have it, um, like whatever customization I want, someone out there will give it to me. And that's created more opportunity as well for technology and just commerce in general. Um, you know, another good example uh, for, for kind of niche businesses, let's say I love, um, <laughs> funny example, let's say I love like uh, Avengers puzzles. Like I love, I actually get a please, better please, example. My, my brother- Please tell me that you actually do. I do love I, Avengers puzzles, don't you, Jack? I, uh, it's funny. I love Avengers, but I, I suck at puzzles. <laughs> Can't do them. Can't do them. If they were um, all square, it'd be really easy for you, wouldn't it? Right? You don't exactly. want to wait. You don't want to waste time turning the piece around to try and see how it fits. Exactly. <laughs> it, puzzles, they stress me Got out. It. Anyway, let's just say I, I love them. Um, that's a niche market that like 15 people in the world probably want that, but uh, the, the person who creates them can find those 15 people and build a business around that. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, other things, globalization, it's a similar concept. Um, you can have that niche business in Germany and reach your 10,000 consumers that want to buy your product in the U S and the unit economics, they probably still suck. Like you're probably spending a good amount on the supply chain and logistics, but they don't suck enough where you can't do it. Um, there, right. There's ways to, to deliver that product. Um, I'll stop there. That's enough ranting. Yeah, no, I think I, I'm loving that. I, I, I guess, you know, what was refreshing about you immediately when we met was that you know and have analyzed and care about the space. One thing you, know, you must know is that there is a ton of opportunistic entry in this marketplace for investors who are, it, they just hear the word supply chain and they want to invest, but that you understand it, I think it not only gives the appropriate opportunity to, to companies, but it allows you to add value to those companies when you have invested there, because you know something about the space and you care about it. And man, does it fit your personality? No doubt it does. Um, I really do think you would find a number of kindred spirits in this industry. So, so you've invested in a lot of other industries. So I'm curious when you think about the, the varying challenges, and I, I've made some assertions around it, supply chain versus sales management tools or whatever else, but I'm curious what your take is on supply chain and how it stacks up to other industries with all this complexity that you've described and the, the mission critical nature of the business. I mean, look, look, let's face it. If Salesforce went down tomorrow, salespeople could still make calls. They could still make their sales. But if your supply chain solution goes down, you're dead in the water, drifting toward the shore, possibly blocking the sewer. <laughs> right? right? So, so tell us a little bit about you know, about how you, you view supply chain stacking up against some of these other industries that you've participated or invested in? Uh, great question. Um, and I will poo-poo on sales tech. Um, absolutely. Really quick, because I didn't hit it fully before, quick peak span commercial midway through the, the podcast. You have 30 uh, seconds. We, <laughs> we, talked about, we talked about our uh, our stage focus, three to five million in annual recurring yeah. revenue. Greg, what you just hit on, um, th that's central to our model, which is that I, I do know supply chain, e-commerce, logistics, procurement, um, 
I'm never going to know it better than the founder. Um, we we aren't. We're we're investors. We're really good at things that have to do with scaling SaaS businesses because we've scaled 65 SaaS businesses together as a group at Peakspan. We add a ton of value there. The, the extra kind of arrow in our quiver is that you know we know the space as well and have actual theses that allows us to move quicker. That allows board meetings to be more enjoyable where you're not explaining like what supply chain is to your investor that only shows up, you know, twice a year and is like, Oh, right. what do we do again? Um, so th- that's why in our model at Peakspan, each partner or principal only focuses on three to four themes. And this now dovetails into your question. So I have colleagues that focus on sales and marketing technology, hospitality, human capital management, customer experience management, security, FinTech, we actually cover pretty much the whole universe, about 12 themes in total at Peakspan. And I, I shared mine, uh, supply chain and procurement, e- e-commerce, back of the house e-commerce, especially, mm-hmm. uh, and then a little digital health as well. Um, has it stack up? I think what excites me is that back of the house technology has always lagged front of the house. It's easier to sell software when the pitches will make you a dollar of revenue. Mm-hmm. It's harder to sell software when the pitches all save you a dollar of costs. I think it's the same thing. I think I think a, a dollar of costs sometimes is even better. Um, and there's there's pros and cons to each. But flashback through the last ten years, front of the house has absolutely reigned. It yeah. shows the fact that uh, the average sales team I think has uh, I think it's around seventy tools. In, a, in the sales tech stack, it's too many. <laughs> and for those 70 tools, I'll show you a market map that has like 10,000 logos on it. There, there's a lot of technology out there and a lot of it's good. There's not room for that many. Um, I don't know, to, to you and I, I think it's super clear that the opportunity for technology to optimize and disrupt supply chain is immense. And maybe just, Adding to your point, um, yeah, the complexity in supply chain versus the complexity in sales, I think, is laughable, and uh, it's not totally poo-poo sales tech. Like, there's great tech that can yeah, allow you it, to like. It's really it. helpful, right? Really helpful, but it's solving a completely different problem. Yeah, and and you almost need more tech to like solve even less. If that makes sense. Like, I, I think we're scratching the surface on use of technology in the supply chain. And it goes back to that people comment. I I don't expect it to happen overnight. I don't expect a big global retailer or supply chain to wake up one morning and say, Oh yeah. Like Jack told me about 10 supply chain software solutions that could revolutionize our business. Let's just implement them tomorrow. It's it's a lot more difficult than that. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take, uh, executives putting their neck on the line. It's going to take um, just continued wins and case studies and, and scale ups building towards you know, that that big ambitious goal. Um, and I think it started. I don't want to say it started later than front of the house, but the traction that we're seeing has maybe lagged. And especially with if you look at COVID and the pressures that e-commerce put on the ecosystem, and then the resulting uptick in investment and interest in supply chain and e-commerce yeah. is very clear that folks are waking up and, and connecting the dots and saying, wow, 
e-commerce demand like you know increased by two x in four months. Um, I think we're going to need to look at our supply chain infrastructure and question if we can handle all of that. Right. Um, so I, I think it's a very exciting time. I think it's certainly lagged other categories, but it, it has the same, if not a greater opportunity to persist. The, the la- has lagged other categories is, is a, a great observation because, I mean, I can tell you I've been in supply chain a long time. I will never confess to more than two decades, but, um, but <laughs> it has... Um, it has been frustrating, frankly, at times to have been out there with a really, really impactful technology and have people accept spreadsheets or lesser technology or even manual processes because they just don't see the benefit. And I think the thing that really that really drove it home was not the dollar of savings equal a dollar of sales. It's that if you want that damn dollar of sales to get delivered, you better have some supply chain tech because if you have a physical product, the, the sale is not made until the product is delivered, right? So I don't think people, I know, I know that sounds intuitive now to all of us, right? But I don't think people realized that. They thought sold, it's automatic, it gets to the customer, done deal, right? They didn't understand even within companies, all of the machinations that went on behind the scenes to make that product appear in the customer's hands and now they do believe me they do it and and with a plum crazy yeah and and i think you're right that awakening is going to be world changing i don't say game changing anymore jack it's going to be world changing for supply chain because while this has been a laggard and a very slowly adaptive industry. I've seen the frustration. I've worked with the analysts in the industry, Tom Enright and, and Laura Cesari and Mike Griswold and others from Gartner and, and other, other um, analyst groups. And they, they definitely have the frustration, but man, do they see rays of hope right now. They see people uh, completing and acting on what the way that they're speaking. In the past, you would hear them speak of things that need to be done and then do virtually nothing. So it, it has been a significant trans transition. Um, all right. So we have to wrap this up at some point because you and I have jobs to do. So I hate to, because this is fascinating. First of all, I think you have been so personally open that I've learned a lot about you. Um, a lot that I really appreciate. And really, frankly, a lot that makes me happy that you are the one who is engaged in supply chain, um, you get us. You have to get us because you are <laughs> one of us, right? You're just one of us in a blue shirt. So, um, feels like so a cool. Great. Take, give me. I love giving the audience some takeaways. So, give me two or three takeaways from what we've discussed today, or what you see as important in the marketplace. What do you think everyone, if they take nothing else away from what we've discussed? What should they remember about this this discussion? Hmm. Great question. Um, I think the first takeaway would be in this space in particular, but I could also say the same is true for a lot of business software. You can say um, life in general. I mean, if you want life. to say that people should organize their nightstand, that's okay. 
I'll uh, I'll cap I'll cap off with with a funny one. Um, but this one uh, it's about people plus process plus technology, and everyone's heard that term, but we've hit it in this this you know spiel a lot, and I think in supply chain it, it's pretty evident outside of categories that I, I don't look at like um, you know, tracers like that, that will like trace cargo or, um, mm. you know, so the solar industry, like there's lots of like technologies, of course, robotics um, that can like operate on their own. But the world that I come from, uh, supply chain will continue to advance the ball with solutions that tie together people and process and technology. I think they all go hand in hand. Those are the best solutions from my perspective. Um we haven't talked about data at all on this call and we, we won't cause it, it will take another hour. Um, That's all another episode, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, people plus process plus tech. The, um, the, the second one I'd say is that what I look forward to, and uh, I don't know if you asked me this, but in terms of like big bold bets, I thought of, I'd be like brainstorming before the call. I don't, have big bold bets and I actually would bet more on lots of continuous improvements over a very long time horizon. Uh, mm. I think you you alluded to this earlier. Um there is you know the, the analysts that were like kind of had their heads down and were like bearish and like oh it's not changing you know uh now we're like oh it might you know it's looking looking good e commerce just like came and slapped us in the face and we now have to respond. I think that's just beginning. I think the technologies that this is what I look forward to the, the, the scale ups that we partner with in the next two years in e-commerce supply chain procurement. Um, I think there'll be companies in five years that are founded today that disrupt those companies. You have some Gen 1 players, right? We have public companies that are right. SaaS supply chain companies and they were great. They were successful. But you and I talk to companies every day that are trying to disrupt those companies. And I think that will happen. They were started in a different time. They're using data uh, in a finer appreciation for the problems. And and a a great example is supply chain businesses that were founded before e-commerce was a thing. Mm. And now there's companies that are in warehouse management and logistics and uh, online ordering fulfillment, inventory management. If you're not building with e-commerce in mind, uh, you don't have a shot against those. So I think we have a wave of innovation today, but per maybe the example on supply chain optimization, there never being fully optimized solution. I think we're looking at multiple ways of innovation over the next 30 years. I, I can't wait to rewatch videos like this in 10 and 20 years and think about what was going on in the world today, how yeah. we were talking about the future and how far we've come in in each and every decade, I think we're in for a ton of innovation and advancement in this space. I think you're dead on. Sorry, I'm writing this down because this no. is good stuff. Um, no, I think you're dead on. Um, you know, one of the things you did you did touch on is data, and part of the fl- part of the ha- um, hindrance for let's call it legacy technology, not to be diminutive or whatever, but let's call it legacy technology is they were built around the presumption that there's only this level, you know, only limited data available. And that inherently limits their ability to 
to solve problems. And as you said before, when you were talking about it, we'll continue to do more and more with data and that will continue to allow us to optimize the problem against the problem more and more uh, over time, right? But these new technologies are built with the presumption of robust rather than limited data and they're built to process it. And I mean, process it fast and process it intricately and process it for multiple from multiple viewpoints. And, and, um, you know, that's something, that's something that, um, is important about data that to me, that's the simplest thing about data. It's much more robust than it ever has been in the past. And it's critical to solving this problem as you talked about. So those are all good things. Write that down gang. Look, supply chain (laughs) tech has to, has to, um, has to, solve at the confluence of people and process and technology. Instead of big, bold bets, this one I love, instead of big, bold bets, think about lots of of continuous evolution, 10, 20, 30 years of evolution. And you're you're right. And I'm going to close with a thought about that. And then this wave of innovators, companies founded five years ago, will disrupt the leaders in the industry um, and, and probably disrupt some of the disruptors of today. So I think those are all really important things to think about, particularly as you are founding or investing in companies. Because as you said, your competition can come from anywhere, Jack. It, 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 could, come from, it could come from someone adjacent to you with more features. It could come from someone who's solving a totally different problem, but vying for the same dollars. Or as you said, someone who is completely changing the marketplace that you don't even know is out there. So keep your eyes wide open. Um, All right. Well, let me, uh, first of all, Jack, thank you. It it was great to have you on the show. It's great working with you every day. It's fun. Um, I get you now and, and, uh, (laughs) and, um, and I love it too, by the way. So you and I probably have more. And like I said, with supply chain professionals, you have more things in common with them than you think. So even though your fiance thinks you're a freak, probably you're not. Okay, you can tell her there are hundreds and thousands. There are at least 44 million people in the United States just like you, probably, because they are supply chain professionals. So how can our community connect with you? What's the best way to connect with you? Oh, uh, I wasn't ready for that one. Um, LinkedIn? <laughs> I say LinkedIn. Should have warned uh, you, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I feel like I should have some prep response that's like, I'm on MySpace and Facebook and <laughs> right. I probably, probably just sound like Plus. an idiot, idiot talking about my, MySpace. Um, I'm on TikTok and uh, whatever that new one is. No, I, I think uh, my, yeah, my email address is like, this is actually the first thing I learned in business is how to mine an email address. It's usually the person's first name at their domain. So Jack yeah. at Um you can reach me over email or LinkedIn. Pretty easy to find over LinkedIn. Our website's peacebandcapital.com and all that information's on there. Um, and then TikTok, obviously. I have a lot of videos of me brushing my teeth while listening to podcasts. <laughs> Get, eating, the same, eating the same peanut butter and fruit every morning. Uh, yeah, well, and also Jack, is a, he's a great analyst and a great content provider as well. So do follow him on LinkedIn. You post all of your stuff on LinkedIn or on the blog at Peakspan, right? Yep. So um, very thoughtful investor, very um, thought, well, just thoughtful 
observer of supply chain. So there's there's a lot you can learn there. Thank you, Jack, for joining me. Um, Thank look, you, Greg. I, I, I really appreciate you being here. And I want to uh, encourage our audience to get go through and, and listen to this. So, Jack, this is part of a series that I'm doing. So I opened with the seven things you need to do to do a three-minute pitch. I'd love to get your thoughts on that, by the way. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but don't tell me. Um, and then, and then also, I've interviewed a seed, a pre-seed and seed investor, and talked about some of the early stage things. And then, of course, working with uh, with you here, I think this will be great for our community to learn more about where investors fall and what really makes an investor valuable. And this is what I want to tell you to everyone who's listening, and that is every single investor that you ever engage with. And I hit Jack square in the jaw with this when we first met. Every single investor will say, but we're so different because we're more than just money. And for the most part, that's total bullshit. But in this case, and in, in rare cases, and you can make them prove it, there are investors that do offer real value to you, something other than money. And not, that's not to say that you don't want people's money that, that want to give it to you. But really, as a founder, you need to vet your investors. And I think you can vet Jack right here on this show and see that he could clearly offer value to your organization more than just money. And that's really, really important to founders. So with that said, let me leave you with what I always say, and that is acknowledge reality, but never be bound by it. We're out. you improve your shot at supply chain tech success four ways one subscribe to tequila sunrise wherever you get your podcast to make sure you're notified of my new episode every week two follow me on linkedin and see my supply chain summaries every weekday three if you're a startup founder or growth stage leader and you need an active advisor to propel you through your supply chain tech journey I'm currently considering select strategic advisory roles. Or four, if you need an incubator or investment for your supply chain tech, reach out to me on LinkedIn and let's talk.